0: Uh, Today kicks off the start of a new week. What a better way to do it than singing praises to the Lord and looking into God's word and just rejoicing in all that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we look at chapter 7, I want us to see the reality that he really is a very precious messiah. The Lord Jesus Christ is so precious to us, and this chapter totally captures the reality of that. I remember reading a story about John Newton. Now, John Newton was just a rough and tumble guy. He was a sailor. He was a foul mouth. He had, he had an appetite for a real rotten uh, living and everything. He really disliked life. And really thought that he would die at a young age because of the kind of life that he um, was leading. Uh, One time he was given a gift, a copy of Thomas Kempis, The Imitation of Christ. And he also had a gift of a good mom who told him about Christ at an early age before he ran away from home and shared with him his need of coming to Christ in faith. But he wanted to live the debauchery life, and he did. He was the captain of a slave ship, and, you know, life was just upside down. But God backed him into a corner, and he trusted Christ as Savior. And after he trusted Christ as Savior, life radically changed, wonderfully changed. And within that, uh, in his latter years, after he kind of retired from shipping, he, he went around from church to church sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he even got older, his knees and his hips became very, very weak, and he would actually have a young man stand on each side of him so that if he began to lose balance and things, they would catch him, and he would just continue on teaching and preaching. And this one time, he, he, he was teaching, and he, he wanted the audience to know the truth That Jesus Christ is precious and he paused and he looked at the congregation and he said again Jesus Christ is precious he paused again and he looked out and he goes I really want you to hear Jesus Christ is precious and at that moment his knees buckled and the young man caught him And as he was helping him regain his balance, he whispered in his ears and he goes, sir, you've already said that three times. He looked at the young man and he goes, you need to hear, Jesus Christ is precious. When we look at this chapter of Scripture, this beautiful chapter of Scripture, my heart's cry is that you would see that we have a precious Messiah, Christ himself. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you for the wonder of your love. Lord, as we dive into this chapter, it's full of such deep richness. And Father, I just pray. I plead before your throne that your word would go forth boldly this day. And that those who are watching online, that those who are hearing within, within this building, that your spirit would plunge it deep into our hearts in a powerful way. That the evil one would not be allowed to snatch away one word of truth from any heart. And, Lord, that you would be glorified and magnified in it all. We ask for your hand of blessing. The hearts would be challenged, hearts would be changed, hearts would be encouraged because of this passage. Father, that you would use it to radically change lives for your glory. Thank you again for your goodness to us. For it's in your Son's name, the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Our precious Messiah. And I want you to know that in this chaotic, evil world, the reality is our only hope is the precious Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came to this earth, God with us, so that we could have a precious relationship with the true and holy God of the universe. And this starts out, this passage starts out, reminding us of what he had shared about the house being built upon the rock or the house being built upon the sand and after these things verse 1 now when he had concluded all of his sayings in the hearing of the people he entered Capernaum and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to the centurion was sick and ready to die so, when he heard, the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and to heal his servant. Now, here is a Roman centurion, and, and we see that he has heard about Jesus Christ. And I'm sure because of what we will follow, he had heard much about the one who is really coming and teaching amazing things concerning the kingdom of God concerning himself and which was polarizing the nation of Israel especially within the leadership and he had heard these things and he had heard that Jesus Christ was doing great and mighty things and he says hey would you go get him please and bring him to the house to heal this one that I care about very much my servant His compassion for his servant is real. His belief in what he had heard was real. You and I know that in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we would hear faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but the reality is church wouldn't be very fruitful or fun if it didn't come from this book. The reality of God's word and the truthfulness of it. He heard about Jesus. He sends for Jesus. He is exercising faith in all that he is. Verse 4 and 5 goes on to say this. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying that the one to whom he should do this was deserving. In other words, this man's deserving. For he loves our nation, the nation of Israel, and he has built the synagogue. In other words, in Capernaum, he built a synagogue for them to worship the true and living God of the universe. And so in their hearts and minds, these elders believed that he was worthy to do that. And when Christ heard that, he went. Now, I want us to know because we'll see boldly the reality. He didn't go just because he was deserving. He went because of something else. And the truth just gets revealed to us wonderfully in this glorious passage. Verse 6 goes on to say And when Jesus heard, when Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. He knew he was a sinful man. That he was not worthy of that, to have the true and living God of the universe come into his home, God with us, the precious Messiah. Verse 7 says, Therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This man understands the authority of Christ. He understands that he is God and that he has not just the power to do this, but he can just say a word. I don't know about you. But that's powerful faith, and that's what Jesus Christ ends up saying. I have never seen such great faith, even in all of Israel. At this point in his ministry, he had not seen anybody respond to the truth of who he is. And we see this precious faith being revealed. The blessing that he receives, verse 10, and those who were sent returning to the house found the servant, well, who had been sick. Precious faith, how do you and I respond to the Messiah? How do we react, even in the grimmest of times, even in the most difficult of times? I remember visiting Steve Jackson in the hospital near the end of his life, And we were talking and we were just sharing about the future for him as he battled his cancer and the reality that the end was probably near. And he looked at me and he goes, you know, Rich, you know, God could show off still and heal me. And I said, yeah, yeah, he could. But Steve goes on but it doesn't matter if he does or not because in the end, I know I will be. He understood Psalm 103 that he, God, heals all of our diseases. And we know the reality in Revelation chapter 20 that there in the presence of God, in eternity future, there will be no longer any disease. Great faith. Where is your faith, my faith? It needs to be precious in the sight of our our precious Messiah. This, This passage goes on to even build upon that. Because not only should we have precious faith because of the Messiah, we should have precious hope. Look at verses 11 and following. And now it happened the day after that he went into the city called Nain, that many of the disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, and the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and the large crowd from the city was with her. Now we know that now this woman was in a place to have have no hope of care, financial care. She was a widow. Her only son now is dead as well. And she would have to rely on relatives and things like that. But notice what Christ does. Christ walks up to her, verse 13, and the Lord saw her and had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. You know, that's almost a little impertinent on the the surface. You know, walking up to the one who had lost her only son and say, don't weep. Because he is ready to prove the reality that he had power over death. Notice how it continues, verse 14. And he came and he touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, Arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak and present it, and he, Christ, presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout Judea and all the surrounding region. Wow. The resurrection is real. It's going to happen. You and I, we cannot control that. The truth is he rose from the dead. He died on the cross for you and I. There on the cross, he died for your personal sin, my personal sin. He paid the price that you and I deserved, and he did it willingly. He paid the price Declaring that you and I could be justified through his righteousness. And the very moment that you or I, when we trusted Christ as our personal Savior, repenting of our sin, his righteousness was put to our account. We are no longer held accountable for who we were. and We have come alive and the resurrection is ours. Is that your hope? You know, the guys on staff, you know, we have great camaraderie, but they sometimes like to pick on me because I'm older than them. And we have a lot of fun, and that's true. And so I guess biologically speaking, that means I'm a little closer to that entry into death, that veil of death, should the Lord tarry. I I find myself pleading for the rapture a little more fervently now, I must admit, than I did when I was their age. But do we really have the hope? Because if we have the hope, it becomes a reality of the direction and focus of our life. My hope is in Christ, therefore I live, I believe, I do, because my hope is in Christ, my risen Savior. And the joy that we have of walking this life, no matter the difficulties that get thrown at us, And those of you who know me personally, you know that in in my life since I've been on staff here, we've had some difficulties thrown at us. But you know there's still no greater joy than serving the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no greater hope than I have than walking in the truth of God's word. This picture of hope ought to be that which we have. Because of his compassion and love, he came to die, he rose again so you and I could have life. His authority is not only over disease but it is over the grave. A precious faith, a precious hope built upon precious truth. Look at verses 18 and following. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And so a couple of John's disciples had had Heard about the centurion or been there when the centurion servant was, was uh, healed. Now the widow of Nain receiving her son uh, to life again. And, and the hope that was found in that. And they reported. They went to prison and re- reported that to John. Verse 19. And John calling two of his disciples to him. Sent to Jesus saying, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another Now I don't want you to look at this as a lack of faith, I want you to look at this as the reality that John was really anticipating that Christ was gonna set up his kingdom. That it wasn't a spiritual kingdom that he came to set up first, but a literal kingdom. And John was looking forward to that, literally probably to be set free from the Roman prison and and Christ to establish the kingdom here on earth. That's why he sends and asks, are are you the one or should we look for another? Verse 20, and when the man had come to him, Christ, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now notice what Christ is doing. Look at how he assures and reassures John the Baptist, and this man, the reality of who he is. And that very hour he cured many infirmities, afflictions, cast out evil spirits, and many blind he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Go, tell John these things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He is saying, Do you see this reality? I am fulfilling scripture. When the Messiah was to come, he was to clarify and validate that he was the Messiah by performing these miracles. And he says, I am doing that. You look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, and other places, Ezekiel, and you'll see these, these beautiful prophetic passages revealing of how Christ was going to come. And this is what he does. And so he's reassuring John, listen, I'm here fulfilling scripture, and I'm preaching the gospel to them. Remember John the Baptist Message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he did. He went through the countryside. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus Christ, his message is repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. I am here. He even reveals to John the Baptist that, look, your life, is a fulfillment, of prophecy. Notice how it continues on, verse 24, and the messengers of John departed and began to speak, and he, Christ, began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury, are in the king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, and I say to you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom what it was written, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, the way of Christ, the forerunner of Christ, the coming of Christ, the Messiah. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Oh, and when the people heard that, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized by the baptism of John. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when people repented, they were baptized. They wanted to walk truly in preparation for the coming Christ. And the coming Christ is there. He is here and he is reminding them of that precious truth. Verse 30 goes on to say, and the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. In other words, they said, nah, he's not coming, I'm not going to, this is just a guy and uh, you know camel's hair out there eating locusts honey and yeah you know, he, nah he's not to be listened to and so they ignored they rejected the message of John the Baptist and here here Christ is clarifying oh wait a minute he he is the one that was actually prophesied about and he fulfilled scripture and I am here Verse 31, and says, and to what then shall I liken the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. I played the flute for you, and you did not dance. I mourned, I, I mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he was a demon. But the Son of Man has come, eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all of her children. The reality of the truth of the Word of God, he authenticates God's Word, amen? The truth of it. You know there was a guy by the name, and there is a guy, excuse me, by the name of Peter Stoner, Peter Stoner took four Old Testament passages and Old Testament books, picked two prophecies concerning Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and as a mathematician began to figure out what the statistical probability would be of that one individual, Jesus Christ, fulfilling that. And he realized it would be the same as one to the... Time 10 to the 17th power. Now, if you know a little bit about mathematics, that's a lot of zeros. Yeah, in my estimation, that would come out to be a quadrillion. He even goes on to say, you know, if you took a silver dollar and put a quadrillion silver dollars together, you would have enough silver dollars to cover the whole state of Texas between a foot and two foot deep. Now that's a lot of silver dollars. I think you would be a quadrillionaire if you had them. But the fact that Christ came, he goes on to say, if you took one of those silver dollars and painted it all bright red next to all those silver dollars, went out and buried it someplace, for one man to fulfill that would be like going back and finding a stranger, and in my case, I'd pick Dan Johnson, Blindfold him and say, There you go. You've got three days to go find it. Go find it. Blindfold it. And reaching down, find the red one. Now, Christ fulfilled Scripture in so many ways. You and I have this book. I don't care what this generation says about this book, this book is true. You and I can take everything that we have within it to the bank and realize that it is God's love letter to us because he is long-suffering, not wanting any to perish, but that all would come to repentance, amen? And he is yearning for a revival in America today, or he is waiting and saying, Father, send me now. And the question is, is which is it God's word is True. And to nail this precious, precious reality of the Messiah coming and the exercise of faith and having real hope in the truth of God's Word, he ends with this beautiful story. He ends with this reality of one who would risk everything to worship him because of her lifestyle, and yet she reveals her love and faith, the precious love for the Messiah. Notice verse 36. And then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. We're going to find out his name is Simon. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she saw that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, I'm going to pause there for a second, and I want to point out a couple of things. When a Pharisee or somebody uh, who was prominent in community invited somebody to their house for a meal, knowing that there was going to be a big conversation, people would often come to listen to. And so the fact that she was there is not a big deal. The fact that she brings this flask, this very, very precious, expensive flask of oil is... But the fact that she went to hear, there were others there to hear. And if you look at the other gospels, we would hear a similar story where Christ went to the house of Simon the leper. And I want you to know that what transpired there, that even the disciples became indignant because of what the woman does. So the fact that we see Simon here, the the Pharisee, get a little indignant, eh, shouldn't surprise us a whole lot. But notice what happens. And she stood, verse 38, at his feet behind him, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. And then she got down on her knees and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. This woman, a sinner, probably a prostitute, as she sees her Savior there, She begins weeping because she knows that she is a forgiven sinner. She realizes that he indeed is the precious Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the anointed one sent by God for that particular time. And I want you to, in, in your imagination, imagine standing there watching this event take place, this woman weeping so much that tears are running down her face and all over the feet of Christ. And she gets down and very humbly starts drying and then realizing something had not happened and anointing those feet with her oil the most expensive thing that she probably had in life. Notice Simon's reaction, verse 39. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, touching him, for she is a sinner. You see, Simon would not even begin to think about allowing this woman to touch him because he would then become unclean in his own thinking, in his own heart, not recognizing he's already unclean because he's a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and he would rather sit there in his self-righteous pompousness Ah, if he is a prophet. I love the way our Lord confronts him. And Jesus answered him and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So Simon said, "Not teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and one owed 50. One owed 10 times as much as the other. And when they had nothing with which to repay, the debtor freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more. And Simon answered and said, hmm, I suppose the one whom was forgiven more. And Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman and said to the woman, said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many, are forgiven, for she loves much. But to whom it is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. What a beautiful picture. She sacrifices everything. She had no reputation when she walked in, and yet she went through the crowd, and she didn't care that there would be a Pharisee knowing her lifestyle, not caring anything, but having focus only on Jesus Christ, her Messiah, the sent one. And she's willing to bow down before him and just pour her soul out, humbly crying and caring and wiping the tears off and anointing, worshiping him. And she gets her sins forgiven, not because of what she did, but because of her faith. Verse 49 says, And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith saved you. Go in peace. Where are you in your relationship with Christ? She gave everything to worship him mightily, graciously, powerfully in the sight of others. I want you to know that I was older when I trusted Christ as Savior. And because of my Lifestyle before Christ and I knew God was calling me and I went off to school to work in ministry I, I knew that I could do a lot of things and I'd hoped I could do a lot of things but one thing for sure that I knew that I probably could not do and didn't want to do was to be a pastor and in one of my early classes Dr. Hauk, Gary Hauk came to me and he goes, "Hey, Rich, I want you to do uh, devotions Wednesday." And I said, "No, thank you. That's okay." And he goes, "You didn't hear me. I want you to do devotions." Now, I want you to know, at the time, I'm I'm 33 years of age and I'm the old guy, even there. <laughs> what gifts? And within the class are. A whole bunch of young young folks and many of them pastors kids many of them missionary kids and many of them went to Christian schools and and I'm thinking all of these people know so much more about God's Word than me what Dr. Hauk said I want you to do devotions in the morning okay so I did devotions and just shared a little something from the Gospel of John, just sharing my heart. And he came up to me afterwards, and he put his arm around me, and he looked at the young people in the class, and he goes, I want you to know, you have just heard a Shepherd's Heart. And I panicked, and I said, no. And he looked at me, odd, and, Yes. And I said, no, not me, because I knew what he meant by that, and I literally went out into the hall crying. And I want you to know that Dr. Gary Hauck, Dr. David Rockwell, and others took Rich Bailey under their wing and began encouraging him. Here in this audience, those of you online, you might think that you're not worthy of salvation, let alone of serving Jesus Christ. And I want you to know and hear this, this woman's ministry is recorded in the scriptures for you and I to gain hope to realize that no matter what our background in is once we come to Christ Christ has a purpose for our lives to bring glory to all that he is i want you to realize that that purpose is genuine and real and it doesn't matter your background it doesn't matter what you're doing in life to earn a living he has a purpose and he will use you if you will humble yourself like this woman and worship him with your whole soul. And that's what we see her doing. And not just in a moment, a Sunday morning, coming and singing four beautiful songs with Billy and the worship team, but singing in your heart day in and day out, moment by moment, saying, God, here I am. Use me for your glory because I love you. You are the precious Messiah. I want to walk in precious faith. I do have hope of eternity with you. And I know This book is true, and I love you. I don't know where you're at in your walk, but I do know the one that knows every single heart here and where it is, and walk with him. I'm going to ask you to stand. if you're here today, and you know Christ as your Savior, how are you doing? Are you walking in focus? Are you walking in purpose? Are you letting the calamity and the chaos and the evil of the world around you to distract you from the one who has saved you? Oh, oh, lay your heart before him. Seek forgiveness from God. Become consistent in your commitment to pursue him and watch what great and mighty things that he will do in your life. If you're online, do the same thing. Those things are open for you to share please pray with me. And you can go in the side room on, and I don't know how it's called a side room, but you can go in a side area and people will pray with you and pray for you. If you're living in sin, repent of it and get back to passionately pursuing him in your life. If you're here today, and I want you to know, I sat, where you sat one time. And I wanted nothing to do with church. I wanted nothing to do with religion. I was angry with God because of my childhood. And as an adult, someone began saying, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. My first instinct was, How true. And I began pointing around the room. But then he began telling us, but God demonstrated his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here today without Christ, and you know your heart, whether or not you by faith truly believe that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for you. He died for you personally. And he would love to have a relationship with you. And all you need to do is repent and trust Christ as Savior. We will have men on each side here for you to pray with. You know, the greatest thing is this reality. Satan hates God. And he wants you to glue your feet to the floor and not step out by faith. Just for prayer, if you're in Christ, let alone to come to Christ. If you're online and you've never trusted Christ, there again, there is somebody there to pray with you so that you can receive Christ alone as your Savior and the joy of it. If you brought somebody with you this morning and you know they're hurting, wrap your arm around them and pray with them. Pray for them. Encourage them. only you can. And I don't know why Billy isn't here yet. (laughs) But the truth is... (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you again for your goodness to us. Lord, if there's one here without Christ the battle for their soul rages and lord i pray today would be the day that they would just lay it down saying here i am lord forgive me and i trust christ as savior and father for those of us who know you lord might our commitment and consistency in our walk with you blossom And Father, those who are hurting, walking through difficult times, Lord, I pray you would wrap your loving arms around them and reassure them that you love them and you care about them with such compassion as we can only imagine. Meet every need and every heart through your riches and glory. Through Christ our Lord, in whose name I pray, amen.